Hi, everyone. Um, this week, it's going to be a little bit of a different format for the Mom and Dad Cuss a Little podcast, just because we're kind of deviating from what we usually talk about. Um, which is us. Which is us. <laughs> I mean, we're still going to talk about us, but it's going to be a little bit deeper. Um, so to kind of set the whole, you know, series of unfortunate events feel here, it's not a super happy story. It doesn't have a super happy ending. Um, so, yeah. But it did, it is something that we've talked about before a little bit. We've touched on, um, and it's something that has affected our relationship. So it's something that we want to share with you. Yeah. I don't know where, I don't know how to follow that up. <laughs> Sorry, I have the sniffles because I'm allergic to my dog and Benadryl takes a while to kick in. So, yeah. This is kind of a, a heavy topic. Um, this is going to be released as kind of a bonus episode closer yeah. to Valentine's Day. Um, but we're recording a little, a little bit early. Um, it is nearing the seven year anniversary of when you got hurt. Yes. And we've never really talked about when you got hurt, what we mean by you got hurt. Yeah, we've alluded to it. We've mentioned the uh, reason why we moved out to Arizona. We've mentioned when I got hurt, but it's always been kind of... It's been in, very vague. It's been vague. It's been It's been figurative language to describe the situation, but we've never actually described the situation. Right. And the reason for that was because your show, um, the Odd Dad Out podcast, was very new when this time of year came last year and i mean we haven't even hit a year yet i don't think on this show actually our anniversary like our actual anniversary is actually the anniversary of the show i I had to look it up because i was like wait we're coming up on a year when when and i looked up and it actually came out the very first mom and dad cuss was released the day before our, our anniversary last year so we have not hit a year yet with this show um But I figured let's go ahead and give our listeners a little bit of insight into what has shaped us and into something that affected our relationship. Yeah. And maybe somebody out there is dealing with it, too. Who knows? I hope nobody else is dealing with this directly. really hope not. This is kind of a specifically, you know, sucky situation. It really is. So, you... Worked for a restaurant. Yeah. Um, you backtrack seven years ago. Yes, seven years ago in the yeah. land of Oz. In the land of Oz, when we still lived in Texas. <clears throat> you worked for a restaurant that closed at midnight and required that you did all the cleaning and all the shutdown before you could leave. Yes, which this, is kind of standard restaurant procedure. Right. This particular location, um, it took you guys, I'd say at least an hour, if not more, yeah, it's about an hour. So we closed at midnight. We were usually out the door about 1 a.m. Yeah. Um, so it, it was pretty common for you to not be home until about 2-ish in the morning. Um, at the time, we had just had Charlie. So yeah. this was, um, you got hurt in February. Charlie was born. Just that previous. That previous August. August. Yeah. So he was very young. When this happened, um, I was very tired (laughs) because I was dealing with being a new mom. So Charlie and I were already asleep 
and um, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, all I know is that I had talked to you when you were closing, I believe. Like you had, yeah, you you had called me, and let me know that you were closing down, and I said, "Okay, well, we're I'm in bed, Charlie's asleep. I'll see you when you get home." Yeah, and that was kind of the last thing I heard from you. Yeah, and I guess I should, you know, pre-mention our roommate at the time, who was one of my uh, employees. Um, you know, he was staying with us, and. And he actually had, he'd gotten out of work early that night, uh, more on account of he was tired. I was like, no, it's all right. It's slow. I'll, I'll, you know, you can take off. So he went home early and I guess we're, we're still kind of dancing around it, but, um, I guess I'll, with all of these other descriptions in here, I'll, I'll just kind of jump back. We closed up shop. Everybody was gone except for my closing employees. Um, and in that restaurant, we kind of had like our employee rules for how to do things after hours and how we behave and things like you never walked in through the kitchen out of uniform, things like that. So say like a lot of the employees were friends and family and a lot of them gave each other rides home, things like that. And so it was entirely common for, say, one of the cooks to, they're like, oh, he got out at, at nine o'clock. Well, he was the ride for the closing guy. So he would come back after closing and you don't want to see a guy in plain clothes, you know, walking around in there. So we kind of had our rules where we would come up and we come around the back door because we all knew the code we all could get in. We all come up to the back door and we all, and especially when you were expecting somebody we're like, Oh yeah, he's waiting for his ride. He'll be. And so come around and it's, it's closing time. We're just about done. And I hear a knock at the back door, completely common. Uh, I, I knew that both the girl working up front and the cook were expecting the same guy as their ride who was also one of our cooks. So I expected him to show up any minute. So I hear a knock at the back door, totally expecting it to be him. Um, I go back there and the back door did not have a peephole on it, which in, in hindsight, terrible. Um, opening the back door after closing in hindsight, terrible. But at the time it was incredibly common. But uh, yeah, knock at the back door. I go back. Oh yeah, let me go get it. He's probably here to, you know, get you, you know, take you guys out of here. And I open the back door and immediately have a gun to my head. Um, two guys, one of them's got a red jacket and hood up. The other's got a bandana over his face. And one, you know, bandana face has got a gun to my, got a gun to my head. And the other guy's got a baseball bat. And they immediately get me down on my knees and crawl me up through the kitchen, up to the front of the store, up to the safe, and have me, like, by this point, I've already taken, like, counted all the money out. Everything's locked up in the safe. And so they get me up to the front 
and of you know kind of the standard you know open the safe give us all the money and of course this particular safe was a pain in the ass to open yeah i remember it, you used to have so much trouble with that safe yeah. like you'd enter the right code and it still wouldn't it would open take, it would take several tries and it was very finicky and so imagine the trying to get this super particular finicky old and it's old fashioned dial not like a digital safe like most of them are now um this really old floor safe opened with a, the added stress of a gun to your head and every time it didn't work, he smacked me with a gun. So, not that I wasn't already stressed, not that I wasn't already panicked from a gun to my head and crawling through the kitchen and, and all this. And now every time he smacks me with a gun and I'm just thinking the next one is going to be it. The, the next one, he's not going to smack me the next time. And... Yeah. Only saving grace, if you could say that, is if they killed me, they still couldn't, they couldn't, get, in they the couldn't get in because nobody else had the code. Yeah, It was me and my assistant manager. Even my lower assistants didn't have the codes because they never had to open it. They only ever had to lock it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was me and my assistant manager were the only people who could open that safe. And, of course, she wasn't there. But, yeah, so, I'm on my hands and knees trying to get this safe open, just trying to comp trying my best to hold it together. And, you know, four or five tries later, I finally get the safe open. And so they, I get them all of the, the money from, and this happened on February 13th of 2010. Well, this was happening at like one in the morning of February 14th, actually. I always lose the whole it happened after midnight thing always throws off my time. Yeah. Um, you, this was closing from it was February on, It was on Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. This happened on Saturday night. And I figured we should look that up. It was it, but whatever. But this happened on Saturday night. And again, one of those hindsight 2020 kind of things. In this place, we did not deposit our cash daily. Mm -hmm. which is kind of standard procedure in every other restaurant in the world. But we so, Suffice it to say, your owner was a freaking moron. Yeah. Um, procedures and things of that sort in that place were Lacks. less less than ideal. <laughs> um, so were know, the working conditions. <laughs> but um, I digress. But, yeah, so we had not only a, you know, Saturday night, I mean, we were a fairly busy restaurant. We had all of Saturday night's cash. We also had Thursday and Friday night's cash as well. And this is like the week after the Super Bowl. So we are still, it's been really busy. It's a really busy time of year. And this is in Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We had a you know big sports crowd. There's still like college bowl games and things going on this time of year. Yeah, well, and it's just after the big annual football bonanza. I already said Super Bowl. Oh, can we? I don't, I don't care. We, I don't think we can. I don't care. <laughs> that if, if the NFL decides to sue me, go ahead. That big annual thing that happens. The giant annual 
a football game extravaganza between the East and West. <laughs> football game extravaganza. <laughs> that they're already going to sue us for every other time I Hashtag use the, the drag trade. queens of football. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> because he said football game extravaganza. It made me think of RuPaul's Drag Race. I said extravaganza, not eleganza. Eleganza. Uh, <laughs> we were getting too heavy anyway. But rude. Back to the. It was getting. It was the story was getting too Bad heavy. Joke. No, <laughs> the story was getting too heavy. We needed a break anyway. But back to that. Back to that. I had three basically weekend days, busy weekend days of cash. Plus all of the cash, like the tills and everything for the for the register. So all in all, they got around. They got out with over five thousand dollars in cash. Yep, they got a good chunk of money. They got a good chunk of money. And to add insult to injury, they had the girl who was uh, up front when they came up. They had her take my keys and lock the and front. her phone and my. Well, we haven't getting there. Oh. There, but they had her take my keys and lock the front door. Which needed a key inside or out. So even, you know, no matter what happens, you can't open that front door without a key. Yeah. So, yeah, so, but front door is locked. They now have three days worth of cash. And they get, you know, they're one of those, give me your keys. They give me your phone. It's kind of one of those, oh, don't, you're not calling 911. Idiot, there's a phone on the damn desk in front of you. But... Whatever. They weren't exactly the smartest people. They were <laughs> robbing a restaurant. But, you know, they got away with my phone. They got away with my keys for the store. And after they've got everything, they've got all this money. They've got my keys. They've got my, they've got my phone. They had, my cook locked himself in the bathroom as soon as they came in. He was out in in the lobby mopping when they came in. And as soon as they came through, he ran into the bathroom and locked himself in there and called 911. Yeah. And then the girl who was up front, who they had locked the door, they stuck her in the walk-in cooler. And so it really, for the majority of this, it was me and them up front by, my, uh, by ourselves when all the rest of this happened. But they get the money, they get my keys, they get my phone, and you know, then there was a big bang. And I was, to say I was scared was is probably the understatement of the year. Because all I know is there was a big bang on the back of my head. Where 10 seconds ago, there was a gun pressed against it. And I hear them, I hear a couple other bangs going through the kitchen. And I, then I'm just kind of there. And I'm, and all I could think is like, did he shoot me? You know, is this what it feels like to get shot? Am I dying? What's going on? I, I don't know. And, and it was like... It was, it was like paralyzing fear, I guess, because I did not know what had happened. All I know is there was a guy with a bat and a guy with a gun, and the guy with the gun was the last one next to me. And then, boom, and I'm on the floor. 
And then I hear the screaming. And the girl comes out of the cooler, comes up front. He's like, after you hear the back door close and they're, you know, fairly safe, they're gone. And after this big boom, and I'm like, I'm just laying there because I'm not sure. I think it was kind of that waiting a second. Wait, am I dead? Did he shoot me? Am I dead? And they're like, wait, I'm not dead. Okay. I can hear everything. I'm just going to lay here because I don't know if they're still here. I'm just, I, I was playing dead at that point because I didn't know. And I just laid there on the floor until she came up and I just heard her screaming. And I just like calmly was like, just talking to her. I was like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, because I didn't realize what had happened. I didn't realize I was bleeding. I didn't know. All I knew was that something hit me and I was on the floor. And I guess she comes out, she sees me playing dead on the floor and I guess bleeding profusely from my head and freaks out. And so I kind of come to, I was like, okay, if she's here, then they're gone. So I'm like, okay, call 911, call the owner or call my roommate because he's got my spare keys. He's got keys to the store he can get in. Mm-hmm. Like, call 911, call him, call the owner. You need to call him first because he's got keys. We need keys to the store. Yeah. Which or is, nobody's going to be able to get in. Nobody's going to be able to get in. So, I was like, if you if he can, he's going to be the closest anyway because we didn't live that far. Yeah. But, you know. Come, you know, come to the realization I wasn't shot. I got cracked over the head with the aluminum baseball bat, which he then proceeded to smash up stuff in the kitchen as they were walking out. Um, but I just laid there. I really, I just laid there. I didn't get up until I kind of repositioned myself, I guess, but I didn't get, I didn't try and sit up. I didn't try and do anything. Until the paramedics showed up, and the paramedics showed up before our, our roommate with the keys. And he, uh, so because of the front door being locked, they actually had to go all the way around the back of the building, down the back alley, in the back door, through the kitchen, and all this, and with the stretcher, and bring everything up the back way because there were, there were no keys. There's no way to just like that or break out the front door, and that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know the paramedics come up and they pick me up and like you know, this whole time I'm completely awake. Yeah, it's like I've just taken an aluminum baseball bat to the head, and I imagine it was probably maybe five minutes between. You know, when... I'm sure it felt like forever. No, not, not really. really. I mean, it wasn't really a you know time slowed down. It was. Very just. I'm gonna stay right here. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna move because it's one of those. Well, because you didn't know what sort of damage you were looking at. What damage exactly happened? I don't know the situation. I just know I got hit in the head. Yeah. And I hit the floor. And apparently, I'm bleeding a lot. I don't want to move a lot because if I move too much, get your heart rate up. I'll stress. I was like, I was just trying to do everything I possibly could to stay calm. Yeah. Even after all the stress of the situation before, I was trying to just stay as calm as possible because it's not going to, it's like, if I get too stressed, I'm going to start bleeding more. Yeah. 
And it's one of those, like telling it now and describing all all of that. It's, it's, Are you okay with it now? I'm, like- I'm okay telling the story, and I've been telling the story for years. Um, I've been telling the story for years since it happened. There's YouTube videos of some of the security camera footage that I show people, and everyone loses their mind. Yeah, I tell the story, and I was like, "Google it." It's there. I'm like, look at. I'm like, I tell them, "Here's what to look at." And they realize, because I can look at the, the security footage and they see my ponytail. They all realize, like, you can't see my face really because they've got me on crawling no, across. No, but you the- can see that it's your build, your ponytail. Yeah, they like, look at me you. and they know, anybody who knows me looks at that and they're like, oh my god. And like the, the footage that's released on the internet does not show them hit me. They do, it's, all, it's the stuff that was released to the media, the stuff that the TV stations put out to try and catch the guys. Yeah. And so, obviously, it doesn't show the more gruesome aspects of it. But, yeah, they, but I, when I tell, I show, I tell people, I've gotten used to telling people, and I show people the video, and they freak out. Yeah. But, so I'm used to telling the story, but telling it in this format with so much more detail to it, it's the kind of going through all, it's, I, I kind of give the Cliff Notes version of the story. Yeah. Like, hey, this happened, I got hit, there was this whole big old thing, but. Um, yeah, going into the more detail now and kind of reliving how was I feeling and what was going on in my head and what was I trying to do. And it, and it, and it's, it's somewhat egotistical. I'm going to go back to the, uh, what we said last week of the borderline genius IQ thing. <laughs> Nobody else I could imagine would have done, they would have lost their damn mind. Well, You'd be so stri- freaked out, and I played this so logically yeah. that I surprised myself when I look back on it. The how did I stay calm? How did I not freak out? I mean, I guess. I to mean, a you degree- did everything right, and to be fair. You had taken forensics and yeah. stuff like that in school, had, so you kind of had that law enforcement-ish background. Yeah, I had like the law enforcement background, plus I had the medical background because my mom, right. my stepmom was your a nurse. Your mom and mom, your stepmom. Yeah, I grew up in hospitals. I know physiology, and it was like I knew so, the best well, reaction physically for no, the situation. Nobody prepares to be in that situation, you know, and you don't you best. don't know how yeah. you would react. You were as best prepared as you possibly could have yeah. been for that situation. Yeah. So you knew how to I react. was mentally and psychologically and, and all that prepared for the circumstances that arose. Yeah. <coughs> now, so we're at the part where you are being taken to the hospital. Well, I, we were at the part where I was like, I was, the paramedics showed up. Oh, okay. Because again, I've, I've got a mind like a steel trap and I, I have all of this like videoed in my brain, but. But uh, I just remember when I remember when the paramedics got there and they were checking me out and realized that I had never lost consciousness. Yeah, and they were shocked as shit by that. They're like, "It's been about five, ten minutes, whatever." They're looking at the amount of blood on the floor, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is a lot. And it's I, a head injury. I I heard 300 cc's. Holy shit! Yeah, I heard as they were calling it back, like as they're on their walkies and whatnot. That I heard 300 cc's on the floor. Damn. 
I didn't realize that was a lot until after I was in recovery and I had my, uh, my new phone and our, you brought me the laptop and stuff like that. And I'm able to look. I was like, holy shit, that was a lot. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of blood. And, but yeah, they said there were 300 cc's on the floor. And when they sat me up, I immediately threw up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but they were, I was like, they sat me up and they saw that I was really dizzy and they immediately grabbed a couple of like the, the carry out bags because they were like, yeah. Like you just had a, of a head trauma and a lot of blood loss, you're going to be very change nauseous. in altitude. It's like you're going to be very nauseous for a while. Yeah, which I've learned is just kind of a it's a side effect of it's the blood loss. Yeah, it's just like head trauma plus blood loss equals severe nausea. So yeah. like, okay, they were prepared for that. But you know, they get they obviously they put me in a neck brace because I had head trauma. Uh, stick me in the the gurney, wheel me back out. They basically had to carry it. Out the back. Yeah. You know, stick me in the in the ambulance and all that. By this point, by the time they get me out, a friend showed up with the keys and my brother's no, he was he was living in San Antonio by that point. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, my our friend showed up with the keys and so when they get me in the stretcher and and in the ambulance and all that, hell police and media were there by that point. Yes, but they, they were. They get me you know, off to the hospital. The, the the sucky part of that was we were literally a mile away from one hospital. The trauma center was all the way across town. So here's where my side of the story comes in. Yeah, here's where you come in. Um, Charlie and I were asleep for all of this. We had no clue that anything was no. wrong, anything was happening. I'm dead asleep. And I have a very bad habit that I will never break of keeping my phone on silent when I'm asleep. Um, yeah. Fuck you, I'm asleep. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's just how it is. Um, I guess I had gotten enough calls, um, enough messages that finally the buzzing woke me up. And... Um, I haven't told my side of the story ever, so yeah. it's, I don't know. It's, it's always been very much telling um, what happened to me and never really been on your side of it. So. Yeah. So, sorry guys. <laughs> um, this might be harder for you than it yeah. is for me. So there's this lady on the other end of the line at like two in the morning when, you know, I literally just woke up, have not even opened my eyes yet. Um, you know, Mrs. Higgins, there's been an accident. We need you to come to the hospital. And I was like, uh, what? Who is this? What are you, what are you talking about? And at this point I have realized that you are not in bed. And, um, she's like, something has happened and we need you to come to the hospital very quick. It's, you know, it's regarding your husband. He said, you'd be really upset by this. And I was like, yeah, what? Like, what happened? She's like, I can't go into details over the phone, but you need to get here. I was like, okay, you know, I'll be there. She never told me where. She just told me the hospital. So I run out. I, you know, get as dressed as I could manage because I'm shaking. I'm panicking. I couldn't breathe. I have anxiety, y'all. Like, you don't do this to somebody with anxiety. Um... I get Charlie up, get him dressed, get him changed. I don't even have time to pack a bag for him. Um, put him in his car seat, and we get loaded up and we go. Um, our friend is actually outside. When I get outside, 
and I guess he'd been trying to call me and trying to text me and he was pretty close to losing it too. Yeah. Um, he, he felt because very he could guilty. have been there. He said he should have been there. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell him, no, that's not, you know, that it has nothing to do with that. It's not your fault at all. There, you know, no, that you're fine. Like, I, I, I don't feel any resentment towards him and I never will. Um, I'm glad he wasn't there because it could have gotten worse. Yeah. He's the kind um, of person that if he was there, he would have. He would have interfered. He would have interfered. He would have fought back and he would have gotten shot and killed. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's very emotional. I'm freaking the fuck out. Um, I drive to the hospital closest to the house that was like a mile away from both work and our house. Yeah. And I get there. I've got, you know, car seat in my arm. I'm looking like a mad person. You know, I'm probably in pajamas. I don't remember. Um, I'm like, they just brought my husband here. And the person checking people in was like, no, nothing's, you know, we haven't had any, haven't had anybody come in. I was like, what are you talking about? They just called me and said that he's here. And she was like, no, he's not here. You know, you may want to check with a different hospital. I was like, it doesn't make sense for a different hospital. This is the closest one. And so I get on the phone with our friend. I'm like, hey, what hospital? And he tells me, and it's the fucking one all the way the fuck across town. Yeah. Which we learned was like, because that was the one with the trauma it's center. It's the one with so the they, trauma center. They had, so to, they had to take me there. Whatever. Um, I had only been there like once in my life. I didn't want to drive all the fucking way across town. Um, I'm, so, I'm going to just intercede. When I found out, again, hearing all this over the radios from the paramedics that they were taking me to that hospital when the other one was literally a mile away. And I'm like, I'm sitting here. If you've never had the experience of riding in the back of an ambulance, it's not fun. It's I not have. comfortable at all. I have. Yeah. It's not comfortable. It, well, I mean, I had five guys sitting on me trying to yank a rock out of my nose when I was three. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Um. I was in a neck brace and strapped down and completely immobilized. Yeah. <laughs> While they're trying to give me pain meds and, and IVs and stuff like that. Yeah. But, again, never lost consciousness. Um, ambulances really need better shocks because that was uncomfortable. That was a rough-ass sure. ride. I think you got a guy with head trauma and a neck brace. <laughs> you are going to cause neck damage with this ride. I'm just saying. And I told – and I was I was cracking jokes with the, with the ambulance workers. But, like, they were asking for things like your phone number and your name and all this stuff so yeah. they could get a hold of you. And I was, I, I will admit, I broke down crying on that trip, not from what happened to me, but because I knew you would be scared. Yeah. Because no, and I, I was, knew how I was... freaked out that the entire situation would be for you. I was just, I was crying. I was like, she's going to be so scared. She's not going to know what to do. I was, that's where I had my breakdown. I was not worried about me because I realized at that point I was alive. When I re- once I was alive, I was okay, but I knew you were going to be scared. Yeah. And I was. <laughs> you were correct. Um, so I got to that hospital that you were at, and thankfully our friend had followed me there, or met me there, um, since he knew where he was going and nobody bothered to tell me. Um, he met me there, so I was able to just kind of leave Charlie with him in the waiting room and yeah. go see you. Um, I honestly, I don't remember 
much. I think by the time I got there, you were already asleep. Yeah, that was a, um, that's a fun bit. <laughs> um, all I remember was I walked in. They've got you hooked up to everything under the sun, and your clothes have been ripped off and thrown in a pile in the corner. To be fair, they were cut off. Well, they were cut off because they had to stick all the little pro electrode monitors, monitors and, and all that stuff to yeah. my chest. So, um, which are cold. Yeah, and I mean you're still covered in blood. Like they haven't gotten yeah. you cleaned up. They, they they did not. They did not. I don't think I cleaned up until we came home. No, you didn't. They did. We didn't. They didn't do anything until I got I think you home. They offered the option, and I was like, they were like, "Hey, there's a shower over there if you want to try and get cleaned up." And I was like. Like, you couldn't walk at the yeah, time. Yeah, I couldn't walk so. at the time. Um, so backing up to my arrival, because again, yep. all of the, the time jumps in, in the story. But <laughs> Yeah. <coughs> it's not a linear storytelling process, folks. Sorry. It's really not. We got two people in two different time perspectives. But once I got into the hospital and they were, you know, checking me in, apparently by this point I had stopped bleeding, which is good. Um, but... It was it was surmised that I was hit with a bat. They were obviously they were like, obviously you weren't shot. And knowing that the other guy had a bat, and obviously you got hit with a baseball bat. Um, and so they get me there, and you know, I I see very little because you know when you're in a doctor's office, they've got those you know surface of the sun lights right in your face, so they can see everything. Yeah. And of course, because I was hit in the back of the head. They've got they're me, all behind you. They're all behind me. They've 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 got me face down on what amounts to like a massage table, <laughs> because they need to be able to see the injury point. They don't need my face. <laughs> so I'm face down on this massage table thing, which I was able to roll over onto myself, mind you. Yeah. Um, but they're you know they're still again being very cautious about my neck and all that. And I told them like my neck is fine. I don't feel any pain in my neck. Um. I actually did not feel any pain at all. Through aluminum bat to the back of the head, lots of blood loss, no loss of consciousness, it didn't hurt. And I'll give you know attribute that to a I have a high tolerance for pain, b I have a really thick skull. But and c shock and c shock. But you'd think after the ten fifteen because it was probably about twenty minutes later by the time we're at the hospital. Yeah. All of the even the adrenaline would have come down by that point. I should have been a a ball of pain. Yeah. But I wasn't. I didn't feel a thing. I was fine. I was still calm. I was still cracking jokes with the nurses and the doctors the whole time. Maybe it was just, you know, subconscious, you know, stress uh, that's kind of your stress it's, cover. Yeah, that's kind of my stress cover. I'm cracking jokes. But I'm cracking jokes with everybody the whole time. But then they come up and they're like, okay, we're just going to, like, that's not too bad on the surface. So we're just going to staple it. And then they get the little, I don't know if you're familiar with surgical staples. Yes, but they I get, am. You are. Yes. Um, <laughs> I prefer <but> them. The, <laughs> but they get the surgical stapler out. And proceed to just staple this gaping hole in my head closed. Eight staples. They did try to give you pain medicine. No, they didn't. Yeah, he told me they did. I asked for pain medicine. They said, oh, by the time it takes effect. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I asked them because they popped me the first one and I was like, shit. (laughs) 
could you give me something to numb this? Because honestly, these staples hurt more than the bat. And he was like, we could, but it takes so long to take effect. I can just punch these up really quick and it'll be over and it, it, it takes less time than the meds would take to kick in. <sighs> so it's like, <laughs> eight staples along the back of my head. He said you yelled a few times. Yeah, because that's fucking hurt. <laughs> the staples fucking hurt. I'm, I'm straight up. Um. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anytime I've been stapled, it's been completely numb. Oh, yeah, so. because you've had staples from childbirth surgery well, where you yeah. were already on lots had, of meds. I had C-sections, so yeah. I'm numb from, like, you know, the stomach down. Yeah, you didn't feel a <laughs> damn thing when they stapled you. Yeah. They itch like a son of a bitch oh later, God. though. Yeah, but I really prefer the staples over the tape that they used the on sucks. a couple of them. Cause Stitches are better. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, digress. Um, so they get me all... Again, I had to stop the bleeding by that point, so they just kind of... I think they just kind of rinsed away to make sure there was nothing... Like, the immediate opening, they rinsed it out, and, you know, for the sake of infection, because it was They open. didn't even move your hair. Yeah, they didn't move my hair. They stapled. Once they rinsed, they did like the little quick alcohol rinse to make sure there was nothing in it. Yeah. And then they stapled it shut. Yeah. And stapled my hair down and everything. My hair was a bloody mess. Yeah, it was pretty nasty. It was quite nasty for quite a while. But then they pumped you full of like five bags of morphine. Yeah, because again, I have a high tolerance for pain and I have a high tolerance for pain medication. Yeah. So they're like, oh, okay, well... You just you just lay down and relax. We're going to give you something, because I've already got the IVs and everything in me. They're like, we're going to give you something to put you to sleep. Forever. Yeah, forever. Um, <laughs> like, and I told them, it's like, all right, well, just letting you know I have a really high tolerance for pain meds. And they're like, really? And they pumped the syringe. I was like, how are you feeling? I'm fine. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, how about now? No, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Count back. They've been giving me morphine. The they entire were, time. They were, they were pumping me full of morphine since the minute I got on that ambulance, apparently. Yeah. Three more shots of morphine. And then you couldn't wake me up if you wanted to. So that's where I jumped back in. That's where in. you jumped in. Um, so I get to the hospital and you are completely knocked out. Like, you're kind of... In and out of it. I remember, like, it coming in and out of and um, seeing you, like, yeah. intermittently. Like, I was able to wake you up to let you know I was there. I don't know if you actually comprehended that I was there. Yeah. Um, the doctor came in, you know, explained what was going on, what had happened. Um, the police officer came in and basically debriefed me on what happened and why we were all gathered here today. Um... I we're all gathered here today in the sight of Doc and these many witnesses. <laughs> uh, the doctor was gorgeous. Number one, um, I had some very attractive neurosurgeons. I don't, I don't know where they found these doctors, but damn, um, they, all of my staff, all everybody that was taking care of me were quite young and attractive. They really were. Um, but he was, you know, he was walking me through everything that had happened. You know, you had subdural hematoma. There was some internal bleeding. Um, My skull was fractured all the way your through. Your skull was fractured all the way through. They had to do eight staples. Um, it's kind of touch and go right now. We don't really know what his condition is until we can do the next CT scan, which we can't do um, until this amount of time 
to see if it's going down, if it's staying, if it's getting worse, and then we can assess from there. And I was like, okay, so right now we're just playing this waiting game, and he's asleep. He's like, yeah, he's kind of full of morphine. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Kind of full of morphine. <laughs> um, they had to get as much as your, as much of your medical history from me as they could. Um, and I had about two or three people ask me if you were on any street drugs because. And they asked me too. Because you're very tall and skinny. <laughs> I'm tall, skinny, and I had bad teeth. You had bad teeth at, t- at the time, so they all assumed. Yeah, they all assumed mess. Um, and I, you know, we both repeatedly, nothing, swear, he doesn't even smoke or drink, so. <laughs> I didn't even drink the copious amounts of coffee that I do now. Yeah. That's no, kind of You, a, you didn't even weird. have like a caffeine addiction like you do now i don't have a caffeine addiction i just have more coffee at my disposal because what's I don't. this that was hot chocolate oh jeez <laughs> you're such a child that was hot chocolate and my night veil cup because as the boys will tell you that's my show cup um but i was like okay so i let you i was like okay can i go make a few phone calls because i've got a baby out in the waiting room you know, our friends out there, and they were like, oh, yeah, your friend who tried to say he was his brother? I was like, well, they are. Like, they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, he almost got arrested for he that. He kind of almost did get arrested for that. But I was like, well, they are. And they just kind of looked at me, and <laughs> I was like, can I go make my phone calls? And they are like, yeah, go ahead. So I went out there. I called my dad. I called my stepmom. I was like, this is what's happening. I need you guys to get here. Can you take Charlie? I don't know what to do. And my dad... Before I'm even done with the phone call is driving. Yeah. He is already in the car. I don't know if he even had his pants on at the time. (laughs) (laughs) He's like walking out the door, putting his pants on, driving. Um, And he's like, I I will be there. I'm heading there. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, I called. I tried to call um, your dad, but they didn't answer. Um, And at this point, it's like... Maybe four or five in the morning. Yeah. Um, it's still, you know, there's... Everything's really touchy at that point. Everything's still really touchy. Um, so, I knew I needed to, you know, get a diaper bag and everything ready for Charlie. So, um, <clears throat> my dad gets there, gets to the hospital, and I ask, you know, can he come back with me? This is my dad. It's his son-in-law. Can we can I have him come back? And the guy at the front window that checks everybody into the ER is like, no. He's like, legally, I can neither confirm nor deny that he's even here. I was like, okay, well, he's here. I'm his fucking wife. I'm saying, I need to go back there. He's like, well, I can't keep letting you come in and out and in and out. Like, okay, look, number one, my husband is back there, potentially dying. We don't know. Nobody knows at this point. Nobody can tell me that at this point. Number two, my, you know, however old Charlie was at the time, like four months old. My four month old son is out here. I can't take him back there. So yes, you are going to let me come back and forth because I have to check on my baby. Number two, my dad just showed up. You know, he wants to know how my husband is doing. That's his son in law. So yes, you are going to let us back there. And the guy was like, I can't, I can't. I was like, well, you're going to let me back there. And so I get back there. I was like, hey, hang out with Charlie. Make sure he's okay. Nate will fill you in on what happened. Yeah. Um, so I go back there and I'm like, I, I find your nurse. I'm like, my dad is here. He wants to come back here. He needs to see how Adam is doing. 
And um, she was like, okay, well, we can't really do that, but let me find the doctor because I think we can make an exception. I was like, all right, cool. Little did I know that up at the front, my dad was starting shit. Yeah. Like, a we lot. mentioned that your dad's abrasive? <laughs> your dad's abrasive. My dad's a bit abrasive. and You don't tell him no. You don't tell him no, and it's like three in the morning, and he's pissed. He's, <laughs> and just, he just, driv- he's just driven an hour to be here. And um, so he starts yelling at the guy at front, and the guy's like, sir, you need to calm down. Sir, I'm going to have to call security on you. My dad's like, fucking do it. I don't give a shit. You're going to fucking let me back there, you little... He goes off. Yeah, um, a lot of uh, expletives and a lot uh, of expletives. inappropriate uh, slang terms from oh, different yeah. types of people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the Safe doctor... to say the, the orderly was threatened severely. The doctor comes up and he's like, hey, you know, the restriction has been lifted. Um, because, I guess... Victims of traumatic events. Yeah, it was like they're because not even I was allowed. the victim of a crime, so they could not even acknowledge that I was there. Right. Say so like, hey, if it was somebody trying to kill me, they might be coming there to try to finish right. killing me. For whatever reason, the police officers were able to lift that restriction. Yeah. Um. So they allowed my dad back there, and he was like, "There, see you, little fucker." <laughs> and the guy was just like, "Whatever. I, I don't even want to deal with it." <laughs> like, sorry. Sorry, this is my dad. Isn't he nice? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, so we get in the room. My dad's like, "Holy fuck, he looks like hell." I was like, "Yeah, you, you know, he kind of, he kind of does." You know, and he he had been run down on what happened, and um, he was like, "Well, you know, can we wake him up? You know, does he know that we're here?" And I told him, "You know, I don't know if he knows that we're here. I kind of woke him up a little bit." But I don't know if he actually knows that we're here. And he's like, okay, um, what do you need me to do? And that's when I was like, okay, well, I need to know if mom can take Charlie or um, at least for a little bit so that I can be here and kind of know what's going on. Um, I need, I still need to get a hold of, you know, your dad. I was like, I still haven't gotten a hold of him. I need to call the school because at this point I was still going to school. Yeah. Um. I was like, I need to call the school and let my professors know that I won't be there. I'm not going to show up for work today. I worked in the costume shop and I was the manager of the costume shop. And I was like, I need to let her know that I'm not going to be there. Um, and he was like, okay, well, come, come with me out to the waiting room and we'll get this all figured out. I was like, okay. Well, at that time, the doctor walked in and was like, oh, hi, you know, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And I'm like, oh, hi. Oh, sorry. Husband dying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, you make yourself out to be such a whore in this story. He was cute. Um, <laughs> even my dad was like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, right? Um, but he was like, you know, we couldn't wake him up. And the doctor goes, oh, sure. Yeah, you can. He, like, leans over and grabs you by the shoulders and starts shaking the crap out of you. And he's like, hey, Mr. Higgins, wake up. Your family's here. And my dad was like, well, shit, if I knew we could do that, I would have fucking done it. <laughs> I thought he was delicate right now. <laughs> I mean, well, they still had me in the neck brace until I was yeah. in my room. It was like a whole day before they took that damn neck brace off. Yeah. Me. My dad was like, well, fuck, if I would have known we could do that, I would have just done it. Um, but they woke you up and they, you know, explained again what had happened. You know, your family's here. We're here. How you feeling? And you're like, yeah, I feel Okay. I'm tired. I'm like, well, we've got a lot of morphine in you, so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and they explained, you know, that you had 
the the bleeding into your skull and they were gonna get getting ready to run into the cat scan yeah and i was like okay so while they took you back for that um i went out front and kind of worked things over with my dad and i was like all right so here's what we're gonna do um i i didn't get any cell phone reception in your room otherwise i would have stayed in your room the whole time yeah but it's an emergency room full of other shit. Yeah, so. there's, there, there's enough machinery attached to me to kill a cell phone. So so we get out there. We get everything kind of figured out. And he says, you know, okay, I'm going to have mom come back for Charlie. You go home, pack him a bag. We'll come get him. We'll take him for however long you need. Um, you need to go home and rest. Because he could see how worked up I was. Yeah. And he knows. Like, he didn't know then as well as he does now, how bad um, mine and my sister's panic attacks are. I yeah. hid them from my family very, very well. She has not been able to. Yeah. And so they've seen her completely fucking break. Mm-hmm. Um, they never saw me go through that, but I, I did, and I still do. Um, so we get everything sorted out, and he says that he'll call your dad. And I just need to go home, pack Charlie a bag, and call my professor. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. So I grabbed my phone, and my professor had already called me and left me a message. And she was like, oh my god, Rihanna, I just saw something on the news. Please, please, please tell me that that's not who I thought it was. Call me back as soon as you get this. And I called her back, and I was like, hey, yeah, it was. I'm at the hospital. She's like, oh my god, Rihanna, are you serious? Because, like you said, the media was already there when they were loading you into the ambulance. Yeah. She saw it on the 5 o'clock news. Yeah. 5 o'clock morning news. Like, yeah, the 5 a.m. news. <laughs> um, and what are you doing up this morning? This is early news. And um, she was like, okay, just, you know, let me know. Keep, what keep me posted. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I will. Um, so she made that very easy for me. Um. She was like, don't worry about it. I'll figure it out. We have, you know, other people here that can step in and do what needs to be done today. She was like, just keep me posted. Uh, I was like, okay. So I went home. I packed, you know, as much as I could remember to pack for Charlie. Um, And by the time I was done, they showed up to grab him. I was like, okay, here, take the kid. Um, And then I went to lay down, but I didn't sleep. I was just like, I I can't. So I went back up to the hospital. I honestly don't remember how much time actually passed in all of that. Um, but it was enough time that you were already moved to your room in the ICU. Yeah. Um, I was informed that the owner of the restaurant had stopped by, which he was lucky that I wasn't there when he stopped by because they would have had another crime scene on their hands. This guy, this was a guy that I had already had words with, mm-hmm. and I really don't give a fuck if he, I, I didn't give a shit what he thought and what he had to say and yeah. what he thought he could do to anybody. I still don't to this day. I hate this man with a passion of a thousand sons, and nobody and nothing will ever change my mind on that. He treated you and he treated us like shit. And, um, so that pissed me off that he even had the balls to show up there. Um, but they had moved you up to ICU and you were still pretty out of it. 
Um, the CAT scan came back and basically there was no change. It hadn't gotten better, but it hadn't gotten worse. So that's why they moved you up to ICU. They were like, okay, well, we'll just, you know, do regular CAT scans and see how it goes. Um, so you were in the ICU for about a week. And after a couple of days. Well, it, was, it was, it was like maybe three, four days. No, you were there for like five to seven. No, because I remember getting out on like Tuesday. No. <laughs> you had time really messed up in there, babe. Um, it was during flu season, so Charlie couldn't come up and see you. Um, yeah. And your doctors really encouraged me bringing in things for you to do yeah. um, to make sure that there was no neurological or um, that there was basically no brain damage. Yeah. Um, so they had me bring up the laptop for you to watch movies on, play games, things like that. They had me. They brought up a bunch of DVDs and all that stuff. Yeah. I think I brought like a spare cell phone that we had. Yeah, because um, you had to have my phone switched because, like, reported stolen and all that stuff. Yeah, so. which we did, and we got all that taken care of. And then I brought up, like, a spare phone for you. I brought up a picture frame, you know, of me and you and Charlie and um, just some stuff to yeah. kind of help you. Because I couldn't be there all the time because we had Charlie, and he couldn't come up. Um, your I was able to get a hold of everybody in your family and let them know what was going on. Um. Obviously, the only family that you had in Texas was your dad and your brother. Mm -hmm. Um, So they were there at the hospital. And every few hours, I was keeping the rest of the family out here updated. You know, he's doing good. He's awake. He's talking. Things like that. Um, I remember, like, after everything and, like, the one after I was home and everything and just the check, the constant check-ins and everybody in the family. Yeah. You know. You know, aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody freaking out because nobody really, being so far detached, nobody really knew a lot of the information. So Yeah. Well, and I probably wasn't the best communicator Yeah. because I was very stressed. You know, yeah. I, I, it, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Yeah. I don't know how I stayed put together after that first initial panic attack. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how I came back together. Um, but yeah, so you were in the ICU for about five days. Um, they never moved you to a a normal room. They basically told me that what they were doing for you in the ICU was the exact same things that they would have you doing in a normal room and have you doing at home. So there was no point in moving you to a normal room, especially when there were no changes in your CAT scan. Um, the bleeding had gone down a little, not a whole lot, but the bleeding had gone down a little. Um, like so at I this point, there was no further bleeding. It was like right. it, it had to reabsorb, and they had to observe right. how fast was it healing. Really. Yeah. So at this point, we were just waiting for the blood to reabsorb um, and keeping you on medications. Yeah. They wanted you up and walking to make sure that you still could. Yeah. And they basically they got they got me up at least when they had like those those like leg cuff things that they stick you when you're in a hospital bed. Yeah. They'd like sit there and squeeze your legs with hot water to to cycle your blood vessel, your blood and all that, so you don't lose muscle in your legs and stuff like that. And then once a day, they'd unstrap me from everything and they'd get me up and try and get me to walk. Yeah, and they'd have so you I'd, do a lap around the yeah, ICU. Yeah, I do a couple laps around the ICU, and a couple laps around the ICU took two doctors 
with straps tied to me and me holding my little rack for my IVs. Yeah. To make it around the ICU. And sunglasses. Yeah, you had killer headaches. Because they had me on uh, morphine, Vicodin, and Xanax. Yeah. And anti-nausea meds because all of the other meds led to uh, light sensitivity, migraines, and nausea. Severe in all cases. Yeah. The only things I had to actually physically consume the entire time I was in the hospital was uh, jello and water. Yeah. None of which stayed down. Yeah. Um, so while I was there, uh, the part of the reason why you brought the laptop and all that stuff was because in the ICU, they don't have TVs in the room. No. I had zero entertainment. All I had to do the entire time was sit there, stare out the stupid window, the little door, because ICUs had got the big glass door out into the lobby. Right. <coughs> But stare out that door and sleep. That was it. Unless somebody was visiting, that's it. Yeah. Because even – and there was a couple of times to be like phone call or something. But that was about it because I couldn't even sit up enough and to watch a movie on the, the, the laptop because the light from the laptop or the lights in the room, anything hurt my head so much. Yeah. Um, I remember after we got home that we had our bedroom blacked out anyway. Yeah. And I was still sitting there, like, the only light in that room was a little blue lava lamp, and I still had my sunglasses on. Yeah. And everything completely, because it just hurt that much. Yeah. But. So, we got you home, um, and it it was basically just recovery at that point. Um, You had a couple of follow-up visits for more CT scans, just to make sure you were doing okay. Um, We actually had to get you a cane. To be able to walk because yeah. you were not capable for a while. Yeah. I was, for the most part, when I got home, I was bedridden for about two weeks. Yeah. I I did not get up. I did not eat any solid food. And therefore, I actually did not need to get up for almost two weeks. Yeah. Um, never mind that I couldn't keep food down to a certain degree. But all I really was able to have was like apple juice and jello. Um, neither of which are, are going to process in your body without, you know, it's all going to pretty much get absorbed. I did, and what stayed down anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was pretty much stuck in bed. And so without the leg squeezy uh, cuff thingies, I actually had a lot of muscle degradation in my legs. And when I was finally, you know, the the head dizziness and everything were to a level where I could get up again. And try and get out of bed and walk and move around and everything. It actually hurt to walk. Yeah. Just the act of rolling out of bed, um, trying to stand. I could not walk more than like the distance from our bed to our bedroom door without having to grab onto something or needing assistance to get around. Mm-hmm. And so I actually had your dad lent me a cane for a few weeks while I was kind of, you know, but I was. Yeah. Which is actually really funny because my dad is not a tall person. No. <laughs> and he has a collection of canes because he does also need a cane to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a rather large collection of canes. And he was like, well, fuck, Adam's really tall. I don't know if I've got a tall one. And he, like, reaches over and, like, digs through his collection. He's like, oh, here, this one's pretty tall. That should work. 
I feel like one cane, he hadn't cut down to his length yet. So yeah. he's like, oh, I haven't trimmed this one down to short guy yet. Here, he can use this one. Call my dad short to his face. See what happens. I've called your dad short to his face. <laughs> uh, so Look at his mom. He's He comes from short stock. Yeah, we do. You come from short. You are short. Your grandma's short. Yeah, your dad is short. That's just You're nature. Short. You're short. Um, but he did. He had a cane that you were able to use. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a long, rough road, but that was seven years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I ended up, because of recovery and because of how much you were very dependent on having somebody there, I actually ended up not going back to school. Um, I let my professors know that this is what happened and right now family comes first and I can't be here. Yeah. Um, so our, that was our the- roommate quit that next day. Yeah. They were trying to, like, as I'm, you know, barely, you know, we're, there, it was still kind of the nobody knows exactly what's going on with me and I'm in the hospital. And he, and they're calling him, trying to get him to come in and basically cover my shifts. And they're like, are you fucking nuts? Like, he's in the hospital. His wife is, needs, is trying to hold it together. He's got a baby. Somebody needs to take care of them. Yeah. I'm not coming in. I'm not working all day for, and so he quit. Yeah. And he stayed home to help take care of you and take care of Charlie because I couldn't. Yeah. And he did not go back to work until what point that I was able to function on my own, that I did not need any assistance, that I was able to somewhat be functional in the home without yeah. help. I was still on a cane. Yeah. But I was able to cane my way around. Yeah. You know? And I mean, at that point, we were still going through the whole, you know, this is still a criminal yeah. case. We're still getting visits from um, police and the photo still, lineups and stuff in the yeah. house. And we're still, you know, Special Victims Unit is still, well, not Special Victims yeah. Unit, um, but Crime Victims Crime Unit victims is, you know, calling me and, you know, checking in on us and how is he doing and, you know, this is where we're at in the case and yeah. this is who we've identified as suspects, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that all was going on still. Um, meanwhile, I am freshly out of work because I could not keep going to school and be at home and do everything that I need to do. Um, so we don't have any income at this point because it's a fucking bullshit run little company that you worked for. Um, or at least from that owner's perspective, um, as far as that owner is concerned, I should say, you didn't have short-term disability. You didn't have really anything. No. I had, I got like you got two like more, a final. I paycheck. got like well, I got a couple more paychecks while I was hurt until I was up and mobile again. Yeah. And once I was up and mobile again, and there was still a point where uh, I hadn't been cleared by the doctors to go back to work. I hadn't been cleared, but because I was still on a cane. I still had muscle degradation. I could not walk on my own yeah. at this point. But I went to go meet with the owner at one point. Uh, I was like just picking up a paycheck and I swung by his house. And, and so I went to meet with the owner and I told him that like our intention, because by this point we had made the decision to get out. That we were leaving. That we were leaving. It was like. This no, was, you know, the last straw. Yeah. We're, we're moving back to Arizona. I'm going home. 
No, at that point we were moving to San Antonio. Oh yeah, it was we were we were talking about moving to San Antonio at that point. Um but like we're getting out of here, we're moving. We just I I can't be around here anymore. It's yeah. it's I I like I can't be in the store. I can't be here. I just it's it's I can't. Yeah. And at that point he stopped paying me. Because and, he's that much of a dick. Yeah, it's like it was the under the expectation that I was going to be coming back at whatever time the doctors cleared me, he was going to keep paying me. And as soon as it was like it was the hey, as soon as the doctors clear me, I'm leaving. Yeah. And like and so, you know, so it was about 2 months of between the like between release and when the final appointment where the doctor said, yeah, you're, you know, good enough shape. You should be fine to get back, you know, to work and whatever. And so, and probably within a week we packed up and moved. Yeah, we did. And I mean, we had enough saved up, um, from, you know, or just from what we had that we were like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to leave. Bye. Yeah. Um, we were just going to go to San Antonio, but a bunch of things fell through and we were like, you know what? Fuck it. And we decided to go to, uh, we decided to come out here. Yeah. And so we started getting things in motion to come out here. Um, we had already been out here at one point. And, and we'd come out for a, 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 for a visit, uh, for family business, uh, about a month out. The January before that, before this happened. Actually, I was referring to, uh, Afterwards, because there was a time where we came out for uh, that was on our for our anniversary, for our anniversary around our anniversary, and my aunts and we actually stopped in where in town where my uh, grandparents lived and my aunts and uncles and all that, and basically made a surprise appearance. Yeah, because we even, we even surprised my mom when we showed up on that trip. <laughs> it was kind of funny too because we showed up on her door at like six a.m. Oh no, it was like five. We showed up at mom's door at like five a.m. and it's freezing. Are you awake? It's yes. Your coffee. Can you open the door? Yeah. Why? It's cold outside. <laughs> and at that point, I actually still. I think I still had the cane. I was still. Yeah, you did. I still had the cane on that trip. But we but show up. She opened the door and, of course, starts crying because she had no clue that we were coming up, um, and. You know, you were still in recovery because yeah. we came out here um, for St. Patrick's Day, our anniversary, March 17th. Um, yeah. We came out here for just kind of a surprise visit. We had some business to take care of out, out here anyway. We were kind of, because by that point, we were kind of also in the, okay, we're going to be moving out here. Yep. So we were like, we need to find work. I need to, we need to find a, a place to live. So let's take a trip. We'll go spend a few days Yep. and we'll. We basically, Try and take care of business. Yeah, we basically spent, like, that weekend out here. But yeah. it was funny. You know, we show up at, like, 5 a.m. And, like, are you awake? Can you open the door? Yeah. Why? It's cold. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I remember because that Sunday was a, a special memorial mass for my grandfather who mm-hmm. had uh, passed in January. Or, yeah. And so we decide... Like mom's like, hey, we're going up to Clifton for the mass. Um, do you want to go? I was like, yeah, we'll go up because I want to see Nana. Yeah, like, and see my grandmother, see my everybody, and let them know I was okay. And we were around, so might as well go. 
Um, and I just remember like when we get there and she's already up in the front and just, you know, I hobble up there and walk up to her and she was just shocked to see me. Oh yeah. Her face. She just, she just, she just stared at you for a few minutes. Like, Oh my goodness. And then she yeah. finally got up and hugged yeah, you. And- everybody freaked out because nobody had heard anything since they heard I got hurt. Yeah. Nobody had any information. Well, they, I mean, they knew that you were home and that you were okay yeah, and that you all, were in yeah. recovery, but they didn't know the extent of anything. The they had very little anything. information past then. Yeah. And so for me to show up. I was very still sugarcoating everything for them. Yeah. And so for me to just be there and with a cane yeah. that, you know, but they were, you know, it was good for me to see my grandmother. But, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, everybody was was pretty shocked. Um, but that was when, you know, we looked for housing, you looked for a job, you actually had an interview that went really well, and you had a job offer. Which was rescinded the day we moved out. <sighs> yeah. We literally were packing up the moving van, and I get the email that the, the job offer had been rescinded. And which we went from, okay, I'm going to have a really good paying job when we get out there. It'll be great. I can get right to work. We're like, yeah, I'll be able to start Monday. And then, oh, fuck. Yeah. What and are we going to do now? We already had the U-Haul loaded. Yeah. We were literally like loading up the truck, almost ready to go and find this out. Yeah. So. We still moved. Yep. Um, not much choice in that. Not much choice in that. Um, We were both out of work for about six months. Yeah. Because once we got out here, you had a really hard time getting anything. And I mean, yeah. it's Phoenix. Everybody has a really hard time getting anything. Yeah. Um, it's a big city a, with not a lot open. And what is open has high requirements. Yeah, it's, well, that and because there was also the issue of I had been a restaurant manager for about 10 years. Yeah. You had. I had almost no other. I had no other official experience in anything on paper. Yeah. But then there was like, I don't care if you're hiring me at entry level. I just need a job. Yeah. And people would not, like, they didn't want to hire me as for anything other than being working in a restaurant because that's all I had on paper. Like, all the other types of jobs that I applied for, they're like, nope, like, you don't have any experience. Like, I can do it. I just haven't done it in an official capacity. Yeah. And the restaurants didn't want to touch me because... I had so many years of experience. They thought that they were that I was overqualified, or oh, you're you know we're gonna have to pay you X amount. And they're like, no, you can hire me on as a line cook and pay me minimum wage. I don't give a shit. I just need, just a, need job. a job. Like I've got bills. I've got a family. I need money coming into my bank account, not going out, because yeah. we spent every last penny we had to move out here. We did, and we bounced around from family house to family house. Um, you know, we lived with your mom and your stepdad for about a week or two. Yeah, that's when we first got out here, like, stayed with Um, them for about a week. We stayed with my oldest sister for about a week. No, we were there for longer than a week. No, because we had, we had to unload the truck. Yeah. We stayed there for about a week while my other sister's roommate moved out. Yeah. So we could move in with with my middle sister. So we moved in with her. Um, and she actually got you hooked up with her best friend, 
um, who owns a company out here who is the company that you currently work I for. I currently work for now. Um, they were the first people to give you a real job out here. Yeah. Um, because door-to-door vacuum sales does not work. Does not work. Um, it's like, yeah, there's money to be made if you're a hustler. Yeah. Not a hustler. I got a job working with the um, company that I currently work for, which I was only it's able funny, to It's funny. Both there. of us were there, left, and are now back with those same companies. Yeah. Which I wasn't able to stay there because the schedule at the time was very inflexible to your needs and our needs. And yeah. um, I didn't have the option like I do now of working 8 to 4.30. Yeah. Um, I had to work the shift that they assigned me, but... Whatever. Um, we it, it took us a long time to get on our feet and actually have our feet under us again. Yeah. Um, we are finally, you know, seven years later. Well, not even that. Like, just within that time span of oh, yeah, just, just trying to, you know, catch up to yeah. where we were. Just trying to be able to be able to catch up to a point where we could pay our own bills and be able to, like, we almost lost my truck. We almost, I mean, we're, we're digging out debt still, but at the time, just the ability to get food and pay our own share of rent Mm -hmm. and, you know, like we almost lost my truck. We were, we were to the point where we were hiding my truck inside the garage and never opening the garage so that. You know, if somebody tried to repossess it, they couldn't find it. Yeah. Um, which we got all that taken care of. We, we got, owed money yeah. to so many to companies and banks Still and everybody. Me. But I mean, like we oh we're behind on the insurance company, yeah. the phone bills. We owed God almost a grand to our bank because of a bunch of stuff that overdrafted before we left. It was it was awful. awful trying to dig out of that hole when we first got here. But financially, that was the worst. That we've ever been. Yeah. You know, it... And we've been through some financial holes, but that was the hardest. We've been through bad financial holes, but that was the absolute hardest. But we had a really good support system out here. Yeah. You know, when we told family that this is what's happening, this is what we need, you know, bear with us, we're trying. Yeah. And that was the thing, was they saw that we were really trying. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm the kind of person who I will not depend on anybody for anything. Except for the fact that you're tall and can cook. Like, those are these, that is like it. I will not <coughs> depend financially upon anybody. Um, you know, daddy didn't raise me that way. Um, so for me to have to ask my family for a loan or, you know, can you bail us out in yeah. this bill or whatever. That was really, really hard for me, and I yeah. hated it. And they saw that, and they knew that I was trying. Yeah. Um. So, I think everybody was very understanding and very supportive, and could not have tr- handled the situation better than they did. And all of this happened right around just before and around the time of our first anniversary. Yeah. That trip back while I was still on a cane and our, our expedition looking for work and housing was over our first anniversary. Yep. And so <laughs> Happy anniversary, that, babe. yeah, that first year of our marriage pretty much shaped the type of, you know, people we are and the couple and the family we are. Mm-hmm. And that we don't take anything for granted. 
we are much we are very financially conscious now because we've had to go through so much hardship in the very early days of our relationship. And it's also taught us to be able to survive on very little. Um, even when we had money and even in when we've changed jobs and gone with drastic changes in income, we are still, we know how to survive and we know how to keep things together as a family and, and keep the kids oblivious yeah. to the struggles. Um, that was one thing that always kind of bugged me growing up was I knew that we were poor and I, I felt it. Yeah. You know, it was obvious. We had ramen. We had bologna. Yeah. You know, I knew that we were poor. Yeah. And I had kind of had a, like, we lived all right when I was a kid, but we knew that we were poor. We knew that we didn't have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, so. the boys know that, you know, they'll ask, oh, can we go do this? Can we go do that? And Charlotte say, no, it costs money. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, exactly. We we're, not, we're not spending 40 bucks on that. Like, no. It's like, oh, can we go bowling? Like, do you realize how expensive it is for all <laughs> six of us to go bowling? It's expensive. But, so, you know, th- but they, they understand don't, that. They don't think, and they never have thought that we are poor. Yeah. And, I mean, now we're not, but we have been. We have spent more years of our marriage in poverty than not. Yeah. And even technically now that we're getting a little more financial uh, security, security, we're still technically speaking below the poverty line. Yeah. We're a big family. <laughs> we don't have family. a lot of money, but we know how to live on less. But, you know, it's it, it really has. It's set the tone for our whole relationship. Yeah. And our whole parenting techniques. Yeah. Um, I, it, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. No. Ever. Because that was... That was like living my worst nightmare. Um, it, 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 it literally was, it's the worst feeling in the world Yeah. because you know, you don't know if I, I didn't know if you were going to live. I didn't know if Charlie was going to grow up without a dad. Um, and then once we got you home, I, I was 20, 21, you know, hmm. I had never taken care of anybody before. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if I was helping or hurting or, you know, how do I take care of you and Charlie? Yeah. We always kind of, we, we very, we've always shared those responsibilities. And suddenly, not only do you not have any help with, you know, four month old baby, you have to help take care of me too, because I can't do anything for myself at this point. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody ever um but the outcome now like today mm-hmm. i think is worth it yeah it, and i said yeah i never wish this experience on anybody i i would never wish this sort of the stress and this sort of experiences on anybody but at the end of the day it is put us in a better position. We are better people for having gone through this experience and it has shaped us into a very strong couple. It's we've had, we have a very strong marriage and a very strong relationship and very strong family because of 
this particular experience. And I mean, it was, it was hard. It was very hard to go through. And I will admit I had some PTSD issues for, for a while. while. You really did. Um, I remember at one point it was on the news and you watched it, but you had a breakdown. Um, and you, you couldn't from from then on. You just kind of couldn't for yeah, a while. Yeah, was a while where I, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't hear them talk about it. I couldn't hear. I couldn't watch the videos. I you just avoided it altogether. And also the <laughs> issue of again, Charlie was about four months old at the time. Four month old kids are learning to crawl around that time. Yeah. And I want to play with my son. And so I there was a. A, a a time where I got down on the floor to play with him crawling around and just had like a hard flashback moment that I would, I was just like, I can't, I have to get up. I, I can't be down here. I have, I, I couldn't do it. It was, it was scary. And it just kind of brought me back to that for an instant. And like, Again, it's again looking back at all these things now Which and really thinking that, through it. The fact that that made you emotional because you had the flashback, but then it made you even more emotional because you realized you couldn't play with him. Yeah, I like I can't play with my son because of this. Yeah, it's like no, and I I very much had a determination to get past it. Yeah, because like I'm not gonna let this keep me from being a dad. It's not I'm not gonna let this keep me from being with my family. But, and I guess, again, just a, a lot of my ability to get through this and our getting through this is a demonstrated of our, a demonstration of our character. Because I could absolutely see how somebody with, could crumble under this. And how this could have broken up a marriage and how this could have caused so much, so many worse things. But again, we had good support structure and we, we just chose to push through and we had to get past it. Like, I'm not going to let this destroy my family. I'm not going to let this keep me from my, my son. Um, I'm not going to let this break me because then what happens? Yeah. You know, I can't just as, and just as much for me as like, I can't do that to you guys. It's like, I could not, I had to get up. I had to get better so that I could get back to work and support my family. Because if I can't do this, then what's going to happen to you guys? I, I, I had to, that's just, you know, this is the kind of person, and that was my mentality even when we were moved out here and I was out of work. It was driving me batty because I couldn't, I wasn't working, I wasn't supporting my family. And that stress is probably what probably got us the closest to splitting up because I know mm. I became quite, um, well, there was other things involved, but birth control sucks. Birth control pills and hormones suck too, but. <laughs> Um, that mixed with, I know I wasn't the most pleasant because I was always on edge because I just felt so inadequate because I'd always worked and now I'm not working. I'm not supporting my family. I'm not doing anything. And it drove, and then the the constant failure and the rejection from every job was just drive that. You had, yeah, you, you had the, the agitation factor. Yeah. I actually went through. Like severe, 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 um, depression when we first moved out here because we were so fucked. 
Yeah. You know, it was there it, it was a bleak black outlook. There was, you know, no end in sight to this mountain of debt that we were accruing. Yeah. From moving out here, I moved away from my whole family. You know, I couldn't just hop in the car for an hour and go see my dad. Um it's an 18-hour drive to go home. And birth control and recently having a child does not help with that. I I, I had a severe case of um oh what do they call it? Um, postpartum postpartum depression yeah. postpartum depression mixed I, with all the stress of what happened i didn't to me. realize what it was at the time and now looking back i'm like holy shit i really should have like said yeah. something and then um, the, your birth control pills turned out to have like a neck and you had like side effects like hormone yeah. crazies from your birth control pills but i mean it did it got really bad for us like to the point where when i got hired. I was like, okay, this is how much money I'm making, which means that I will have this much in this amount of time. In September, I'm moving back to Texas. Yeah. Um, and that's all, what, yeah. that's what I had decided. And, you know, thankfully, <laughs> um, we figured everything out and kind of worked through it and I got off the birth control and stopped being, you know, hormonal bitch. Um, you got a job and stopped being. I stopped stressing about stress, everything. Yeah, stressed out and agitated, and you know we finally got things back on track and yeah. we're able to make it work. So, yeah, it is something that could definitely drive a family apart. And if you don't work to keep your family together, it will because yeah. it almost did for us. Yeah, it it actually legitimately. I will own up to it. I was gonna leave. Yeah, and I told you. You know, you knew. I wasn't going to, you know, leave in the middle of the night. I told you, I was like, I will have this much by September. You know, I'm, I'm leaving. And I kind of didn't give you a choice in the matter. Um, but that I think really made us work harder on it, on, on our relationship and on everything. You know, it was, it was. Either things are going to change or I'm going to leave. Yeah. And so we, you know, you actually stepped up to it. You're like, okay, well, then let's change. This is what we're going to do. And that's what we did. Mm-hmm. And and now seven years later, we're... Back at square one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We've got three more boys. So we are back at square we're back one. At square. <laughs> we're back at... We've got three more boys and we've... We are... In a better place, and we are better, stronger, happier people, having gone through all of this nightmare. Yeah. And we are, we have an outlet to tell the story. Yeah. And it's a dark story. I told you this is yeah. not fun. It's not happy. Yeah. Um, it's very series of unfortunate events. Yeah. You know, if you were looking for a happy ending, look somewhere this else. This is not going to be that. This is not the the happiest, goofiest us riffing on each other, mom and dad cuss episode. No. Um, this is why mom and dad cuss. <laughs> <laughs> no, mom and dad cuss because because we have four little boys. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> God damn it. Um, no, but we. Somebody told me today that I would make a perfect librarian because I've got years of experience telling the boys to sit down and shut up. Like, yes, actually. Didn't we just quote that? That's, that's I think exactly, they listened to the show. That's exactly what we said. <laughs> like, you've got a PhD but, and shut the fuck up. 
But that is the story of how mom and dad from mom and dad cuss. Um, moved out west. Moved out west. <laughs> Packed up the truck and moved to Beverly. No, moved to Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> We've stayed in Surprise yep. since we moved We've out here. Stayed in Surprise. Um, but you know that that is how the story of how we came to be. This is our it's that show, the story of us. The story of us. We kind of did that for our anniversary, or, or how we met. We did the how we met. We didn't do the... Yeah, but this is how we got here. Uh, but it's kind of good to, to share the story. I, I wanted to do it last year, but you were kind of right. You told me it, that... It was too odd, soon. Yeah, it was too soon. Odd Dead Out was very new this point last and it's year. And it's a very heavy story. Yeah. It's not something that, you know, is easy to... Tell or listen to. Yeah. Um, and I, I realize you guys listening can't, that you don't, you can't see us. Um, which is good because, you know. Oh, well, I'm not the most, well, I was going to say, I'm not the most photogenic person in the world. Oh, no, um, I'm, you're cute. I'm not very photogenic. I'm in my jammies. And you're in your jammies. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you could see uh, Rihanna's expression as we were. As I was talking, as as I'm kind of going more into detail, that she probably didn't really understand and realize. No. Um, there was a lot of it that I didn't know. And we had avoided talking about it for so long. And then we eventually... It's always been Cliff's Notes stories. It's yeah, always been we, have, we eventually just kind of moved into, if we had to talk about it, it was always just the abridged version. Yeah. And like I said, I've never told my side of it. So, yeah, yeah I cried telling yeah. it tonight, but... Only because I've never... Your side has always been to you. It's always been my story that's been told. Yeah. You know, my my parents were there for my side of it, and they were my rock through all of that. Yeah. I would not I would not have gotten through that if it weren't for my dad and my stepmom. Um, they were beyond amazing. Even when they were being beyond abrasive. <laughs> Your dad's always abrasive. <laughs> but... I don't know. I, I think that's. I think that's where we're going to end the story this evening. Yeah, that's where it ends. Because now we're here and we're happy and all is well. Yeah. And now we, you know, when when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And we know better, and now we do better. Yep. So, any any last words before we wrap up tonight, dear? I think I've had like half a bottle of wine. Yeah, I'm surprised you're still awake. Between between that that wine and the Benadryl, I'm surprised you you stayed awake through this whole thing. It's very true. Although I will mm-hmm. say the frozen blueberries worked very nicely. <laughs> That's why you wanted to do this. You were drunk and you wanted to tell the story. No, you I'm were. I'm a you're sad were... drug. No, really, I I actually am. That's a sad story drunk. But um, if you've made it this far. And honestly, I don't think this is one where people were going to tune out because I've, I've anytime I've told the story, people have been very, they get intrigued, very, intrigued by the whole thing. And um, if you would like to contact us, we are completely open to answering questions. Or um, if you would like to see 
the videos or anything like that, reach out to us and we will send them to you. Yeah. I won't, I don't want to put on here. Yeah. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to post up the, we, we've obviously intentionally stayed vague about names and details just to kind of protect for the sake of protecting uh, businesses yeah. and locations and people yeah. involved. Um, it's our story, not theirs. Yeah. But if you do care to have that information, you can reach out to us and we will provide it. Mom and Dad cuss at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Gmail. Yeah, did Gmail. Um, and we'll, you know, send it to you. But yeah, not going to put the video, the security videos or things like that in the, in the show notes. Um, It'll probably be very short and just kind of be a, hey, this is the story of what happened. What had happened was. What had happened was. I think that's what we're going to call this one. What had happened no, was. I think I'm going to, I'm going to probably going to keep a, a pretty legit name for this one, but <laughs> not really a jokey show this week. Fine. But because I kind of want people to understand what this week is. I don't want to, I'm not going to have a cutesy name for this. So. Sure. But that is. That is it for tonight. Um, this is kind of just a bonus episode. Again, it's not really following the format of Mom and Dad Cuss. So there's not going to be any fun, witty, you know, yeah. kid banter um, for tonight. We're just going to kind of leave it here. And next week, um, we will actually do another episode for Valentine's Day where we will get very ranty about Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Um, our first Valentine's Day episode. Be sure to join us for that because I have a lot of shit to say about it. Yep. And you have a lot of shit to live up to <laughs> <laughs> for Valentine's Day because I need attention. <laughs> You're literally begging for attention. I require a lot of attention. Uh. So until next week, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for, for listening to my story. Good night. Good night.